Hey everyone, welcome to episode 115 of This Week in Marketing Show, also known as the Twim Show. I'm your host Sajid Islam and today I'll be going over the notable news and updates uh, in the digital marketing world from the week of June 27, 2022 through July 1st, 2022. Uh, Happy birthday America, today is July the 4th here in the US and we are celebrating America's uh, birthday. Anyway, with that, let's jump in. So, first of all, we have Snapchat has launched a subscription program. They're calling it Snapchat Plus. This is similar to what Twitter has launched about, uh, I don't remember, last year, but a few months ago uh, called Twitter Blue. The Snapchat is going to charge about $3.99 per month, and this will give you access to exclusive Snapchat icons, a profile badge to show that you are a Snapchat user, uh, new data insights, including the capacity to see your friends, location history over the last 24 hours, and info on who has rewatched your story, and the capacity to pin a user in the app, as well as your num- um, call it your number one best friend. Now, <clears throat> Snapchat is primarily for younger users. So obviously this is access to exclusive Snapchat icons gives you the bragging rights. Uh, profile uh, badge also gives you, that shows you a Snapchat user that's kind of say, hey, I'm cool, check it out, things like that. Um, Data Insights gives you that whole thing of if you have this uh you know, hey, who watched my thing? You know, am I being popular? Things like that. That's the data that you're going to get and the capacity to pin a user in your app as your number one bestie. You know, you kind of say, hey, you are my bestie on my Snapchat app. Like, you know, again, Snapchat is really positioning yourself. They realize, you know, we are, you know, we are, if Snapchat is saying, hey, we are focused towards, you know, our younger users, they love this kind of stuff, so let's do it. Now, if Snapchat can convert even a 1% of their active user base to the Snapchat Plus, uh, you know, program, then they stand to make about $13.2 million a month. And <clears throat> that's not a bad number, assuming I don't think they even costed them that much money to build this feature. And then obviously it's a recurring money. So with that, let's move on to the next update, which is uh, Twitter has launched branded likes. Again, this is primarily for bigger advertisers, not something like you and me, because, you know, while Twitter hasn't really announced the pricing, but this branded likes is similar to what Twitter has right now, which is a promoted trends, uh, which costs about $200,000 a day. <clears throat> so what is branded likes? Branded likes is basically was something that was unveiled uh, about two weeks ago in at Cannes uh, Lions event in France. And what this basically allows you to do is customize the Twitter's uh, like button animation. So, for example, Market and Grow assumed it's a billion-dollar company now, and we decided, hey, we want to basically take over the Twitter feed. And so people who are in the U.S., when they go into the Twitter, they're going to first see our ad. And when they like our ad, they're going to have this animation that shows up when they like our ad. Right, it's just a very vanity metrics. Or, for example, if maybe a company like such as Nostrum, who does an annual sales event, actually this is about the time of the year when they do annual sales event, or is a half yearly sales event. I do not know, but they do. I know that in July, so they could probably create more awareness, more in engagement because they have the money, deep pockets, because they are Nostrum, uh, and they could do that, which is uh, branded likes and just create like you know a Nostrumy like animation, things like that. Okay, having said this, uh, 
I hope this kind of comes down to smaller retailer, smaller e-commerce things like that, because I think it'd be cool. But if everyone is doing it, then it loses this whole, you know, uh, oomph, right? You know, it just doesn't become special anymore. It's just like, oh yeah, what it is. But anyway, uh, that's all you need to know about branded likes. The only thing you need to know is that it's available to advertisers, advertisers in the US, UK, Saudi Arabia, and Japan. Why these four countries? I do not know, but it is one of what it is. Okay. With that, let's move on to the other uh, update from Facebook, or actually the let's dive into Facebook's update. Instagram has now allows third-party platforms to access Reels API. Now, what is Reels API and why am I converting it? APIs are basically application programmers in interface, which is basically, that's the language, the common language two applications or two systems will use to talk to each other. So the Reels API, Instagram Reels API basically saying, you know, hey, <coughs> hey, third party app, apps such as say Hootsuite, Social Sprout, or maybe we can write our own app. And we say, hey, we want to talk to Reels API to say, hey, uh, Mr. Instagram IG Reels, we want to send this video over to me, to you. Right. And the API allows, it's just the programmers in, it's just a way for us to interface and talk to that Reels API and say, you know, here's what we are sending and programmers, oh yeah, you're talking in my language. Here's what I was expecting and this is what you're sending. We will take it. Right. And if you, if, if, for example, if the Reels API is talking Chinese and we're talking English, we are not going to miss, we are not going to match. But if we're, they're talking Chinese and I'm talking Chinese and then we're, we're going to be able to match and we say, oh yeah, we know you. We know you're talking in our language. This is, oh, you want us to do this? Okay, let us do that. So that's what an API is at a very generic level. So why this is something interesting and why we are covering it here is that because through this, now platforms such as Hootsuite, Social Sprouts, or whatever third-party platforms of your choices, you can use that um, and to publish reels. Because right now, the way only way to publish reels is that we have to log into IG and we have to create a reels and we have to push it and things like that, which is kind of not always very, uh, you know, feasible. Plus, you know, we have to, we cannot batch produce content and things like that. So I think this is a great step in the right directions. By the way, this is something uh, IG has allowed access to since June 28th. So I think I would say in about a week to two weeks time, we are going to see this uh, showing up in third party platforms. Okay. Keep an eye out on that. Now, talking about IG, IG has released uh, some tips on how to create engaging reels. And you know what? I kind of like that. They Usually we do not share this kind of updates and things like that on our show unless I think, you know, this is very valuable. So the one, two, three, the four points or four points or six points that they have covered are, I'm going to quickly go through it, but you should check out our show notes or basically get on our email list because that way you can actually get an email of all the stuff that you need to know. So the points from Instagram are nail the hook which is keep the brand objectives in mind before you start creating your reels, which is something very important for us because I know we we can use that. Get creative with transitions. And what they mean what they mean by that is experiment transitions in your reels to entertain your viewers and show off your brand's personality. Match the rhythm, which is basically sync your music. Don't underestimate the power of using sound to grab and retain audience attention. Reels is already the biggest engagement growth driver on Instagram and over 80% of reels are viewed with sound on. Also try using auto captions. 
Next up is keep it on trend, stay in touch with the latest and use the newest effect on reels, take part in cultural moments, trending topics and popular challenges that are relevant to your brand. Uh, next is explore collaborations, partner with creators to tell your brand story in a new and fresh ways. And lastly, be authentic. Reels is a place where authenticity thrives, so create reels that are true to you and ref that reflect your brand values. So I hope this helps you. Uh, I will tell you personally, this was very helpful for me because as we try to create reels, we were like, you know, what should we talk about? How do we talk about things? And so this is a kind of a guidelines. And then again, um, I'm pretty sure there's social media influencers out there. They're going to take this and they're going to, you know, put a spin, uh, put their own spin onto it. But for now, you know what you need to do to create your own reels if you are going to make um trying to get uh, followers and create an audience on Instagram. With that, uh, let's kind of segue into TikTok. Uh, the only update from TikTok that is worth mentioning this week is TikTok has released a new attribution manager. Attribution is a big thing in the digital marketing world. In fact, we just create, we just published a blog on, you know, marketing attribution. Uh, you should check it out. Now, again, uh, if you are on our you know, email list, you'd also be getting like this kind of updates plus the blogs that we publish. So you should definitely get on our email list. Uh, and the best way to do it is to basically go marketandgrow.com and you will see a way to sign up to our email at the bottom of the page. We don't do pop-ups. I am kind of have a love-hate relationship with uh, pop-ups because I think it's annoying to show pop-ups to people who just came to your website. Uh, but anyway, I, I digress. Coming back, uh, attribution is a big thing. Basically, TikTok releases attribution manager that allows you to get better data from your TikTok advertising. Again, um, nothing really art shattering over there. So if you're using a TikTok, if you're a TikTok user or trying to do TikTok advertisement, this is for you. Uh, let's move on to the next update. Now, Talking about videos, YouTube has disabled the option to hide subscriber accounts. Uh, this is a double-edged sword. You know, in a way, YouTube announced is that, you know, hey, we are doing this because a lot of celebrities are getting, uh, you know, fake accounts. Oh, excuse me. Let me take it a step back and let me rephrase what, what I meant to say. What they're saying is that there are a lot of bad actors out there on YouTube who are basically copycatting uh, celebrities and creating this duplicate channel. So, for example, if, say, Market & Grow becomes very famous tomorrow and we have, say, 10 million users, now you could come in and you could copy Market & Grow and change maybe uh, Market & Grow and instead of G-R-O-W, you put G-R-0-W, right? It's very similar to a naked eye, to an unsuspecting eye, and you wouldn't know it, and they become Market & Grow with a zero at, uh, right before the W, and they copy our videos and things and they would hide our subscriber account, hide a subscriber account on the fake account, right? And then people will not, not really realize that this is not the real account. And then they will start to interact and things like that. And they would probably subscribe to things and whatever, whatnot. A lot of bad things happen. So YouTube says, you know what? Enough is enough. Let's shut it down. We are not going to do that. You cannot hide your subscriber account. It's going to be show up. It's just a way for us to protect our user base. The negative side to that is that, you know, obviously, if we are a small account, we only have like 14 subscribers on our YouTube channel. By the way, that's a reminder. If you're listening to us, please do uh, give us some love on Market & Grow uh, channel, YouTube. Again, you can find the link from our homepage or our handle is the same on all platforms. It's M-K-T-A-N-D-G-R-O-W. But coming back to the point, it's like we were going to be like, we, we would say, you know what? 
we don't want people to think we are like, we don't have any followers. We're so minuscule. But for the greater good, I think it's okay. It's okay for YouTube to do that. I guess you know it just keeps the ecosystem cleaner. I wish Instagram would do something like this uh, to protect a lot of accounts getting you know um, screwed up. I. Sorry for the bad language, but that's what happens on Instagram. But Instagram doesn't do anything. They go and create all the other bells and whistles. But anyway, and the other thing they're doing on this thing is like now they're also limiting how many special characters you can have in a channel name. So for example, the example I just shared with you, Market and Grow, uh, you know, it's just one letter that you are switching things up. But uh, sometimes people will switch up a lot of characters, especially if we had a bigger, you know, channel name. So they're limiting how many special characters you can have just to prevent that as well. So, you know, YouTube is really thinking of creating and maintaining a clean ecosystem and trying to dissuade bad actors from doing bad things uh, on the platform. So good for you, YouTube. I'm happy uh, you are really taking a, you know, good approach to kind of maintaining law and order on your platform. Okay, uh, before I move on to the next one, but at the same time, if you are someone who has been faking and say, oh, I have thousands of followers, and now you cannot prove it, you're going to be in screwed, dude. So figure out what you're going to do with it. Uh, with that, let's move on to the next updates. Uh, Google's Alan Kent has published a video on SEO tips from uh, for e-commerce sites. Uh, basically, very quickly, I'm going to talk about them. Uh, let's see. Okay, uh, technical SEO, make sure they're good. Uh, make sure content it covers different uh, buying journey. Next is mark up your product variant page. This is something we talked about it last week on our episode 114. Basically, if you have a product variant, which is basically the same product with different colors, different sizes, make sure they have their own unique URLs, a way for Google to figure out who is right and who is like, you know, uh, who is red and who is blue. Uh, deals and sales URL should be preserved, which is basically if you're running like, for example, I used the Nostrum example a little earlier. If you're Nostrum and you do half yearly sale every July, maybe you should just call it half yearly sale instead of calling it half yearly July 2022, then half yearly July 2023. Google is saying it's better to just create one standard URL and just play with it. It's just better for you. Performance, users care a lot about uh, how fast the page is loading. So keep an eye on Core Web Vitals. We have talked a lot about it on our podcast, on our shows. We have blogs about it. So check it out if you are not sure what uh, Core Web Vitals are. Um, be patient, right? Uh, SEO takes time. It's a long game. So don't think, you know, you're going to plant the seed today and you're going to get the fruits tomorrow. If you sow, you might as well go to the store and, you know, buy the fruit. Right. And that's what Alan is saying as well. Like, you know, if you are worried about getting traffic between now and when the fruit is there, maybe you want to do a marketing mix of paid and organic. Next is ask others for help. Um, if you are unsure what you're doing, go to an expert. Again, a lot of people out there on SEO who are giving you fake advices, bad advices, you know, um, what is it called? Uh, black hat SEO tactics, which is basically bad then there are the gray hats which is like you know some of those uh, unspoken areas stay away from those that's what alan is saying and lastly um, think about your customers think about the users and you know try to address your customers questions as well as your customers concerns through your website through your blogs and everything uh, so that you know you come as authentic and trusted 
Okay, those are some of the advices from Alan. Uh, obviously, I summarized them. If you really want to check out what he said, go to our show notes. You will see that there. With that, let's move on to the next update on uh, SEO, which is if you have near, near duplicate URLs or near duplicate content or a combination of both, then chances are Google will pick up one URL over the other, even though you probably wanted the other URL to show up and nothing you can do about it, right? So this is a question that came up on Reddit and Google's uh, John Mueller says, you know what, it happens. One example is saying, for example, if we have marketandgrow.com and then we have marketandgrow.ca. So essentially two different websites. One is for Canadian users, one is for US users. And then what we decided to do is copy the same content over, right? Maybe change a little bit here and there, but it's identically the same content. Then... And we want marketandgrow.ca to show up for Canadian users and we want marketandgrow.com to show up for US users. But then Google gets confused and they might show marketandgrow.ca results to users in the US and vice versa and whatnot. So basically, Mueller is saying, look, this can happen. And if it happens, there's nothing you can do. So make sure you have unique content on different domains. Um, You know, if not... If it happens, there's nothing you can really do. It's not worth the effort to, well, there is something you can do, uh, which is go in and, you know, update and do all sorts of things, but it's not worth the effort because at the end of the day, it's the same company. Now, having said that, your competitors could screw you as well because if they copy the same domain and same information, things like that, but that's where uh, you can do other things, right? You have legal um, avenues to pursue. Okay, uh, next up, uh, Google saying, you know, rich results are not allowed on, uh, on prohibited regulator or harmful products. Again, what are rich results? Rich results are something, uh, those search results where you see images, star ratings, things like that. By the way, this is a, another good point for me to drop, uh, uh, an update, which is this week, which is tomorrow, we are going to launch a blog. We are going to release a blog on structured data. You should definitely check it out if you're not familiar what structured data is or uh, what rich results are. It's very timely. It just, I do not know how our stars align, but it did. We worked a lot on this structured data, rich results last week, me and Taylor, our content creator, uh, content writer, actually. So check it out. Uh, again, you should be on our, you know, email list if you're listening to this podcast or if not go to our website tomorrow at 9 a.m and you should see that there but google is saying basically anything uh products such as recreational drugs weapons tobacco tobacco vaping products and gambling products are not allowed to show rich results so if you're doing this if you're in that industry go ahead and you know remove the structured data if you're not sure what structured data is you want to check out our blog I want you to do that. I, I command you to do that because you need to know if you're in the SEO game, you need to do that, right? And then uh, if you don't, Google is going to remove it for you, but I think you should do it by yourself because you don't want Google to kind of make assumptions and do changes, things for you, okay? With that, the last update for this week and which has a big implication for us, uh, Google advertisers, Google marketeers online is like, you know, Warabi Parker, which is an online glass, uh, you know, eyeglasses company. In fact, I use Warabi Parker's glasses was sued by 1-800-CONTACTS for using uh, branded keywords. So basically what, what Warabi did was they put, you know, search terms. I say, if anyone is searching the word 1-800-CONTACT, show our ad. Well, obviously, this is a known feature in Google Ads where you could actually beat on competitors' keywords or brand names. 
1-800-CONTACT is like that because, hey, if you are searching, if our future customers are searching for us, we don't want your ad to show up, right? They sued and obviously the federal judge came back and says, you know what? No, we don't accept that lawsuit. It's dismissed because, you know, there is enough, uh, you know, nuances such as, you know, that trademarks were too dissimilar to confuse contact lens buyers. Uh, you know, the prospective customer is going to take the time to figure out that, you know, hey, even though I was searching for 1-800-CONTACTS, one, one um, I'm at Warby Parker and vice versa. So what this basically means is this, folks, look, you should always, uh, obviously, there are a lot more to it than just saying, you know, you should always bid on your competitor's keyword. You have to have a strategy. You need to have a positioning, things like that. But overall, like, you know, it's a safe spot. Now, I'm not saying blatantly start, you know, bidding on everything else. But I will tell you, I have searched so many products and like one product and I was searching it. I didn't even know the other one existed until I saw their Google ads. So it's a very good way, branded keyword search, uh, and against a complete branded keyword search uh, ads uh, on your competitor's name is a very good way for you to show up when someone is actually thinking about buying from your competitor. It's like you are going into McDonald's, right? And as you are going to get in, there is an ad for Burger King. Now, you probably would not switch, but some people would be like, hey, I didn't even know Burger King was there around the corner. Uh, and I really like Burger King. Let me go there. Right? It's like that. Um, so with that, folks, that's it for this week in marketing. Now you know everything to be in the know. Thank you very much for listening. I uh, hope you all have a good day and a great week. And I shall talk to you all again next week. Take care. Bye-bye.